0: Why don't you take your Bible and turn with me today to Matthew chapter twenty-five. Matthew chapter twenty-five. If you haven't been here for a week or two, a couple of weeks, um We are taking a little break, this is the last week that we're taking this break, we're taking a little break from our study out of the Gospel of John. We've been in the Gospel of John for over a year, and as we come to the conclusion of that study of the Gospel of John, we're tying the end of that in with our our Easter focus coming up in the next several weeks. So actually following this Sunday and the weeks that follow, we'll be looking at those those last few hours of Jesus' life and preparation leading up to Easter, and we're tying that together out of the Gospel of John. But we've taken a break, and if you were here uh, two Sundays ago, you know that I tried to take the time to share with you a um, kind of a state of the church address to talk a little bit about where we are. We took some time to um, discuss some things that we can celebrate that are happening in the life of Newbridge Church, but we also took some time to talk about some challenges that we have, some things that we're going to have to face, that we're going to have to work to overcome. Now, last week, we talked specifically about um, stewardship. We talked about our stewardship of our material resources and this, this reality of where we are that as a church in the last year, we've experienced great blessing, tremendous blessing, and that we've been able to pay off the debt on this building. When I came here nine years ago, the debt was over $3 million. We were able in the last... Uh, four years, we were able in the last four years to raise the necessary funds. The Lord blessed us with those funds to pay off what was a $2.5 million debt that we had remaining. And so we experienced that last year. What a great blessing. But one of the things that we also have as a reality here is that we've got a lot of ministry that continues to go on and we've got to continue to fund that ministry. And If we're going to continue to do those things that we do here, we've got to recognize, we've got to realize and understand the question that the Lord wants us to ask in regard to our finances when we talk about stewardship. And that question that we talked about last week isn't, how much should I give? That's the question that we often think of when we think of stewardship. How much should I give? The question is, how much should I keep? How much of God's money should I keep? Because when I ask the question, how much should I give, the implication is that it's mine. How much of my money, how much of my time, how much of my resources should I give back to God? When... In reality, we looked at the fact biblically that everything is the Lord's. Everything already belongs to him. He owns every bit of it, and he owns you and me. Everything is the Lord's and everything, every living thing under the sun. That's what scripture says. Everything is his. All I have came from his generosity, not my effort. And He asks me to honor him with my wealth. We talked about that last week when we were talking about stewardship of our material resources. Now, we're looking in a little different direction today. Today, we're gonna be talking about stewardship still, but we're gonna be talking about stewardship of our time and our talents. Now, let me say before we start reading this passage out of Matthew chapter 25, this word talent is used there, but it's used to describe an amount of material money. It's an amount of of monetary resource in this particular chapter that we're going to look at today, we're going to look in Matthew chapter 25 and we're going to start reading at verse 14. And this, this account, the this story that Jesus gives of the parable of the talents, he is talking about stewardship of material resources. But we're going to take it and we're going to apply it a little differently today. And we are going to apply it to our English word, our English translation of that Greek word, talents are our abilities, our gifts, the things that the Lord has given us, and also in relation to our time. Because one of the great challenges that we have here at New Bridge Church, one of the challenges that we have to overcome, that we are going to have to work through in the days ahead, is not just our use of material resources and those who give them and the challenge to give, but also we've got to overcome, we've got to work through the lack of those who will give Time and their talents, their gifts. And it's a reality of where we are. And I'm not holding anything back for you. I'm just telling you, this is where we are. Here at Newbridge Church, we have a great need. It is a huge area of concern in getting people to use their time and their gifts. Their talents for the Lord. So we're going to read here in Matthew chapter 25, read through this passage, and pull in some other scriptures along the way as we talk about stewardship of time and talents. Read with me starting at verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them and to one he gave five talents, five amounts of money, to another two, and to another one. These are significant amounts of money, investment that the master gave to his servants, to each one according to his own ability. It's an important phrase there, to each one according to his own ability. The Lord makes you, he makes me. He formed and fashioned us. He knows our personality, he knows our skills, he knows our abilities, and it says that he entrusts to each one according to their Ability, And immediately he went on a journey. And then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more. But he who had received the one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, I've delivered, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. And as the Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, though, you have what's yours. I brought it back to you. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather or where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore take that talent from him and give it to one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance." But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Today I want to talk to you about the four R's of stewardship. Now this applies to stewardship of material things, but we're going to apply it in particular to stewardship of time and talents today. Now, I've used this passage before. I know that I have, and I may have even used some of these points before, but it's important for us to understand what the Lord is asking for us, what, is the, Lord, what, what the Lord is asking from us as far as those things that he has entrusted to us Our time and our talents and our material resources in the bigger picture of things. But in particular, with time and talents today, what is it the Lord is asking for us? When we look at this account here in Matthew chapter 25, there are four things that rise to the top as I look at this passage of Scripture. Four R's because, you know, pastors like to to have alliteration or rhyming or something like that, so they all start with R. And the first one is this. We've all received something. We've all received something. Now, you look in this passage of Scripture, and here in Matthew chapter 25, it says that the master called in each of his servants. Now, this master Uh, He could have had many more servants. He could have only had three servants. We don't really know. It could be that it's just a story, that it's just a parable that Jesus is telling, a teaching point. But he calls in his servants. He calls in the three, and he looks at them, and he says, you get five, and you get two, and you get one, each according to his own capacity, his ability. But they all received something. Now, in the church today, one of the great challenges that we deal with, you, me, all of us, but in particular those of us who are in vocational ministry, is that there is this thought, there is this perception that some have received and some haven't received. Some have been gifted. And some haven't been gifted. Or some have been given the good gifts, and some haven't been given as important of a gift. But when we look in God's Word, God is very clear that He gives as He desires, He gives as He sees fit, but He does give. To each and every single believer. Now, a few other passages that I pulled in, not just from this account, but from some other places, to let you see that this is scattered all throughout Scripture. Here are a couple of other passages that go along with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. This is where Paul is writing about gifts that have been given in the church that the Lord has granted within the body of Christ. And he says, before leading in and talking about each of those individual gifts and describing them in chapter 12, he says, but the manifestation of the Spirit, these gifts of the Spirit, it's given to each one. Everyone, every single part, everyone in the body, every single believer, everyone who has come to faith in Christ has received some special gift some special talent, some special ability from the Lord. And the reason is because the Lord doesn't want a body made up of three brains and everything else that is just left behind, and he's gifted these three and everything else is just part of the spiritual goo that is left behind. He wants it to function as a body. He wants there to be eyes and ears and a nose and a mouth. He wants there to be a big toe. Have you thought about this for just a moment? God even wants the hair in the ear in the body of Christ. Now, what function does the hair in the ear have in the body of Christ? And you may think that has no function at all. But here's what the doctor told me years ago. He said, inside your ear, there are the little hairs. And, you know, as we get older, we tend to have more hair here and less hair here. And it just kind of sinks down through the epidermis. I think it starts to pour out through through the ears. But, you know, that actually serves a function. Because those little hairs inside your ear canal, not only do they help with your hearing, they help clean your ear to keep those particles that would drift further down into your ear and latch onto your eardrum. They kind of cull those things out and they they move them out. Those little hairs move and they'll push those particles back out. That's why you shouldn't be sticking things down in your ear because you're just cramming them back down next to your eardrum. And those things have a function there. That body that the Lord has made, me, you, has a specific design to it. And in the body of Christ, he has made the body so that even those who think that they have such a little, small role, they still are a part of the body. He has given to each one the manifestation of the Spirit. How about this scripture? Still talking about the gift of the Lord. 1 Peter 4.10, as each one has received a gift, we have all received a gift. As each one has received a gift, it is up to us. We must minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. This from Ephesians, I think it's Ephesians, 4.11. And he himself, the Lord himself, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some as pastors, some as teachers, but that is not the exhaustive list because if you look on in other places where Paul writes, he says there's the gift of encouragement, there's the gift of mercy, there's the gift of helps, which aren't necessarily out in front like a pastor, a teacher, apostle, or a prophet, but they are an important part of the body of Christ. Now, what sometimes happens is, what sometimes happens is we think that because I didn't receive what they received. My gift isn't as valuable. It isn't as important. And at times we even chafe over. We get upset at the fact that I have been given something that may not be as good as what they have. Here, let me let me illustrate for you. Take just a second, watch this. Now, the guy in this In this video, he has an accent, German accent. So just try to listen a little more with your German understanding. Okay.
1: So, final experiment that I want to mention to you is our fairness study. Uh, And so, this this became a very famous study, and there's now many more because after we did this about ten years ago, uh, it became very well known. And we did that originally with capuchin monkeys, and I'm gonna show you the first experiment that we did. It has now been done with dogs, and with birds, and with chimpanzees, Um, but with Sarah Brosnan, we started out with capuchin monkeys. So what we did is we put two capuchin monkeys side by side. Again, these animals, they live in a group, they know each other, we take them out of the group, put them in a test chamber, and there's a very simple task that they need to do, and if you give both of them cucumber, for the task, the two monkeys side by side, they're perfectly willing to do this 25 times in a row. So cucumber, even though it's really only water, in my opinion, but cucumber <laughs> is perfectly fine for them. Now if you give the partner grapes, the, the, the food preferences of my capuchin monkeys correspond exactly with the prices in the supermarket. And so if you give them grapes as a far better food, uh, then you create inequity between them. So that's the experiment we did. Recently, we videotaped it with new monkeys who had never done the task, uh, thinking that maybe they would have a stronger reaction, and that turned out to be right. The one on the left is the monkey who gets cucumber. The one on the right is the one who gets grapes. The one who gets cucumber, note that the first piece of cucumber is perfectly fine. The first piece she eats. Uh, then she sees the other one getting grape, and you will see what happens. So she gives a rock to us. That's the task. And we give her a piece of cucumber, and she eats it. The other one needs to give a rock to us, and that's what she does. And she gets a grape, and she eats The other one sees that, she gives a rock to us now, gets again cucumber. She tests the rock now against the wall. She needs to give it to us. And she gets cucumber again. (laughs) So this is basically the Wall Street protest that you see here. That's us.
0: You mean I don't get to sing like she does? I ain't singing. You mean I don't get to stand up and teach like he does? I'm not as good a teacher as he is. I ain't teaching. The kids don't like me as much as they like her, so I'm not volunteering with the teenagers. And we think that somehow, because maybe I haven't been gifted the same way as somebody else, that it's okay for me to check out. But my friend you have been gifted you have been entrusted with something precious and special from the lord is it the same as the person next to you no it's not and it would be boring if it was you are gifted uniquely I am gifted uniquely. We are gifted differently. We have different talents and different abilities. And it is the mixing, the melding of those things together that makes the body of Christ unique. You have received a gift. You have been gifted. You have been given time. You have been given abilities, gifts, spiritual gifts. You have been given material blessings. We have all received something. Every single one of us has received something. But you know, it's not only that we've been given gifts and talents and time. Think of what we have been given. Think of what we have been entrusted with to use those talents, those gifts, those material blessings, or the time... Think of what we have been entrusted with to use those things on. Think of all the the teens in the student ministry that we are blessed to have here in our church. Think of all the children in our children's ministry that we are blessed to have here. Think of all those in our preschool ministry that we are absolutely blessed to have here as a part of this ministry. Think of all the outreach opportunities that we have in our community, our connection with Elko, our partnership over here with Forest Meadows other partnerships that we have that go beyond this community and other places. You think of the things that we have been entrusted with as far as ministries, as far as opportunities, as far as people to care for, and then the question becomes, what happens to all of those things that we have been entrusted with if people aren't willing to use their time and their talents or their material blessings to make sure that those ministries continue? Now, I don't want to be alarmist here. But if you want to know what happens to the church that stops caring for its students, its teenagers, its children, and its preschoolers and stops doing outreach, all you have to do is leave here and choose any church at random, choose 10 of them, and you will find that in those 10 churches, you go visit them, in those 10 churches, you will find that most of them, the median age is somewhere around 60 or 65, that they are in decline, that attendance is falling off, and that there are young people A few because they've been raised in the church, but most don't go there. Because people have stopped giving their time and their talents in ministering to those that they have been entrusted with to ensure that ministry continues beyond just me and you. It's all over the place. It is a spiritual epidemic. We have become a consumer-minded church in the Christian church in America today. We want it done our way. Hold the pickle. Hold the lettuce. Don't you dare upset us or we're going somewhere else. When God has entrusted to you and to me Incredible resources that he wants me to honor him with. We've all received something. Secondly, we all have a responsibility for those things. Verse 19 here in Matthew chapter 25 says, After a long time the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them, The Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The second thing is that we are responsible for what we've received. We are responsible for what we've received. I've been gifted, you've been gifted, I'm responsible, you're responsible. Now a few other passages of scripture that kind of go along with this that talk about this in other places. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We must all, believer and unbeliever alike, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether it's good or bad. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful we have a responsibility ultimately i'm responsible for the gift that i bring you are responsible for the gift you bring i'm not responsible for yours and you're not responsible for mine now I can encourage you and you can encourage me. We can encourage each other. We can build each other up. We can help equip and we can help empower each other to use our gifts, but ultimately it comes to this. I have to use what I have been given and I must make that choice independent and regardless of what anybody else around me is doing because I am not giving it for Newbridge Baptist Church. I am not giving it for Sandston Baptist Church. I am not giving it for Fairmount Christian Church. I am not giving it for any pastor I'm not giving it for mom. I'm not giving it for dad. I'm not giving it because Miss Sherman needs people back in the nursery. I am giving it for Jesus Christ. And if I'm giving it for any other reason, I've lost focus of why I've been given that gift in the first place. I'm responsible for what I give. You're responsible for what you give. We are each responsible for what the Lord has entrusted to us and nobody else. Listen, when the Lord... Describe this parable, and when he talked about the master going on a journey, he gave to this one, five, to that one, two, and to that one, one. I am responsible for what I do with that gift. They were responsible for what they did, and they weren't held in comparison with each other. Whereas we like to compare what somebody else does, what they do in comparison with me, the comparison only exists with what I've been given. The master didn't look at the one who had been given two and say, that's all I get back? He gave me five. You're only giving me two? What's up with that? I don't care what I gave you. You should have gotten me five back. No, he was only held accountable for his two. The one who got one, he didn't have to get five. He didn't even have to get two Honestly, I don't even think he had to get one. All I think he had to do was to take his one and try. Because the Lord hasn't entrusted these gifts to us for us to hide them, for us to keep them, for us to use them in the secular world to gain our little empires, whatever they may look like. He has given them to us to use in his body, in his church, to help build up the body of Christ and fellow believers and to perpetrate the gospel around the world. I've received something. I am responsible for what I've received. And I will be rewarded if I serve well. Now let me just say, before we read this, let me pause here and say, we shouldn't be working for the reward. We shouldn't be working for the reward that God will give. I'm reminded of this passage from Luke chapter 17. It says, which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, come on, sit down, eat. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise you, when you have done all these things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done only what it was our duty to do. Now keeping that in mind, that Jesus is he's talking to his followers and as he says to his disciples, this is your duty, this is your responsibility, this is what you've been asked to do. And when you've done it, keep in mind that the master has just given you this task, you have just fulfilled what he's given you to do. Now that in mind, there is a reward. And it's not something that we are told to aim for, that we are told to strive for, because after all, he asks us to serve and this is our responsibility and we have received what he has given and we are to use that, it's our responsibility. But he does say that there is a reward that comes. Not that we should work for the reward, but he does say scattered throughout scripture in many different places that there is a blessing that comes from those who use their gifts and use them faithfully. Here in this passage, it's described this way as he talks to the one who received five. He says to that one in verse 21, well done. You're faithful in a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 23, the Lord said to him who received two, well done. You're faithful in a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Here's what it says over in Colossians chapter 3. Verses 23 through 24, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. In Ephesians 6, 8, it says, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord whether he is a slave or free. 2 Timothy 4, 8, Paul talking about the end of his life, and he knows that his time is at hand, his life is over, and he says, now finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me, he will reward to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Now, we shouldn't be working for the reward, but it doesn't mean that the reward doesn't exist, because there is a reward that comes for those who are serving. There is a reward that comes for those who are faithfully using their gifts and talents and and service to the Lord. We have all received something. It is my responsibility. And the Lord says, not me, the Lord says, you will be blessed when you use that. Now, if the reward is only that I am allowed to enter into an eternity that he's prepared, that I am The only reward I ever get is that I get to go spend forever in heaven with him. That's reward enough. I don't need anything else. If my reward is just that I'm spared from the fires of an eternal punishment in hell, that's enough. But he does say in his word, and he gives a description, that there is more. There's more of a reward that comes. There's a crown of righteousness. Now, I kind of think that in the book of Revelation, it says that they all took the crowns off and laid them at the feet of Jesus. I think that crown of righteousness that you get on that day is not for you to keep, but it's one of those things that you actually get to give as an offering later on when we're in heaven before the Lord, that crown of righteousness. Because you know, we know, we know, it's not your righteousness that got you there anyway. It's only his. And so if I get a crown of righteousness for anything good that I've done, it's only because of what he's done in me that I'm able to have that and I need to lay it down at his feet. But the reward is a promise. It's something that he's offered to us all. And though I'm not supposed to be serving because there is a reward, He doesn't hold back in describing the fact that there is a blessing that comes. I've received something you have too. It's my responsibility, it's your responsibility to use what I've received. And there is a reward. But there is also a reprimand for those who don't. When we look at this passage, the parable of the talents, you cannot help but see the reprimand For those who don't serve well. Verse 26. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown. Gather where I have not scattered seed. You ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. At my coming, I would have at least received my own back with interest. Take the talent from this one. Give it to him who has ten. Verse 30. Cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Listen, it says it this way over in Romans chapter 2, verse 3. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things, and you're doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Do you think that somehow you can get away with what the Lord has said he's going to hold every single person accountable for? Do we somehow think in our arrogance that that person may be held accountable, and that person may be held accountable, and she and he and them, but not me. Who do you think you are practicing the same thing, that you will escape the judgment of God? It says it this way over in Colossians 3.25, but he who does wrong will be repaid for what he's done, and there is no partiality. So ultimately, as we talk about a stewardship of time and talents, and, and yes, even money and material things, <clears throat> I think that there is a question that we probably need to keep in our mind. Yeah, and the question from last week, that's, that's one. But that's for here. That's, that's for now. The question of how much of what God has given me do I keep? How much time do I keep for myself? How much of my talents do I keep for myself? How much of my material things do I keep for myself? But that's not the question I want you to think about today. Because many of those passages that we just read from today talk about this time that we stand before the Lord, that we will be called to account, that we will be before him, that I am responsible for what I have been given, that I have received much and to one who has received much, much is required, that I will be held accountable, and there will be a time that I have to stand before him. I think there is a question that is coming. I think that there is a question from the Lord that is coming, and it's going to sound something like this. What did you do with all that time I gave you? Some have more time than others, but we all have some time. What did you do with that time I gave you? What did you do with that gift I gave you? That ability. Oh, you built a nice career in the secular world. That's great. How's that going to help you now? What did you do with that gift I gave you, that ability that I gave you? What did you do with that money I gave you? Don't you remember? It's all mine. Everything in the world was mine. You were mine. What did you do with it? You see, when we talk about the stewardship of time and talents and material things, the thing that we have got to remember is that I'm the steward, not the master. I'm the servant, not the Lord. I have been given something that he desires me to use for his glory. And I believe that there is a time that is coming when I will have to answer this question. What did you do with what I gave you? Pray with me. Lord, Here today, right now, I pray that you would take your word and speak to our hearts. Remind us that we've received wonderful gifts from you. Not necessarily the same gifts that others around us have received. We've received our own gifts. We may not have the same time. Others have, but you've given us some time. And Lord, while there is still time, while I still have time to decide, to change, I pray that you would take these brief moments and speak to my heart, to each of our hearts, about how we're stewarding what you've given. And Lord, if there's some change that I need to make, that any of us need to make, I pray that in these moments that you would prompt us, that you would show us, that you would call us, Remind us of the task that you've given. And I pray it in Jesus' strong name. Amen.